Hey, what's up, everybody? My name is Joshua T. Berglund, and we are live on the Live Mono Worldwide Multimedia Broadcast Network. Thank you so much for being here today. Uh, those of you who don't know, if you're watching on social media or listening to the podcast, the way to find us is by downloading the Live Mono Worldwide Multimedia Broadcast Network on Roku or Amazon Fire. And of course, you can always download the E360 app on your smart TVs and find us there. Uh, thank you so much for being here. I, I got to tell you, so I, I appreciate you so much for all the support for Grace Unfiltered, that project. I'm really excited for the men to step into the Gratitude Unfiltered slot. Um, the stories have been so powerful. Last night, we had Molly Trotter, and it was absolutely incredible. Actually, I should say Molly Trotter Gomez. It was absolutely fantastic. And um, and then just the lineup of the, all of the different broadcasts and things that are coming out through our network. I'm just so grateful and encouraged because so many voices are being heard that are not normally heard. Now, Molly's a little bit more famous than most people that do our programs. But nonetheless, uh, every voice deserves to be heard. And we pride ourselves on this network to elevate the voices for the voiceless as well as being a voice for the voiceless ourselves. So anyway, with that said, uh, today we have, and the other thing too, I really do pride myself um, on the eclectic, and we were just talking about this uh, before we started the broadcast, uh, the guest and I, that we, like, I really love how eccentric and eclectic and whatever other word that you could use uh, for just different people that come on this broadcast and from all walks of life. And it's so cool because, you know, I, it just seems like so much we try to be like everyone else and, and, or we try to fit into this mold. And I don't really know what that's about. Like maybe it's, maybe it's insecurity, maybe, or the, maybe it's just too hard to blaze your own path or, to go on your own hero's journey because the hero's journey is ultimately your path to purpose. And I don't know what that's all about. Or is it because we have, you know, like if we, if we fit into the crowd, then no one can make fun of us for anything. Is that what it is? Well, let me just tell you, um, that's a very lifeless way to live if you ask me. So anyway, I, I love this, these broadcasts. I love all of our guests. And today's guest is no different. Um, this is a much different interview than I've ever done. Um, and, and, and I'm excited to learn uh, from our guest what he's all about. He's a, a, an accomplished author and, and just an overall interesting guy. And again, those of you that know, when I say somebody's interesting and it's a different broadcast, I mean it every time I say it. And today will be no different. So you guys are in for an absolute treat. So stay tuned. Uh, we have to run a commercial really quick. And then, of course, the intro video. And then we will be right back after this.
Welcome back, everybody. So just to, I'm going to give you a little bit of insight on our author. Like when I say accomplished, um, I, I mean that. And I'm not going to read through his whole bio, but I want to give you a little bit of an idea of uh, just how incredible our guest is and how accomplished he is. Mark, Mark Binder, or he goes by the name Izzy Abramson. Abra, Abra, Abramson. <laughs> Sorry about that. Izzy Abramson. A Abrahamson, oh my gosh, why am I tongue-tied right now? That is embarrassing. He is the author of the award-winning Village Life series and pen name for Mark Binder. Mark Binder is a professional storyteller and the author more than of two dozen books for adults, children, and families. Wow. He has been nominated for the National Jewish Book Award for Family Literature and the Audic Audiobook Award for Best Original Work and won a Parents' Choice Gold Medal Award for audio storytelling. He has toured the world delighting readers and listeners of all ages with his stories inspired with his unique Klimzer harmonica sounds. So with all that, I, listen, there's so much more. And if you go to the media kit at the end of this broadcast, uh, which you'll be able to find at livemonoworldwide.org and just look for uh, Izzy's name, You'll find the media kit there and it'll have links in his full bio and you'll be able to see all of the work that he's done. You'll be able to find his books and, and really just what he's about. Super interesting guy. And um, I am absolutely honored to have him here and to learn more about him. And so I'm afraid I'm going to butcher the name. I got to tell you, there's sometimes when English escapes me and I don't speak any other language and that's freaking embarrassing. So with that said, and I'm an author too, you'd think I'd be able to speak English. But anyway, ladies and gentlemen, it is an honor for me to introduce to you, Mr. Izzy, say- Abram Abramson. 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 Thank yeah. you. Yeah. Yeah. I, all of a sudden, my like, the dyslexia hit me right in the middle of the word. It's okay. <laughs> it just... It's okay. We all get it backwards sometimes. Oh. It, it's, it's just the way things are. The- um, Actually, I'll tell you the story behind the name. Since Please I do, thank yeah, you. Yes, so 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 I was uh, uh, I was born Mark Binder, which is just the perfect pen name for a writer. But it was really my name, and I've been writing these stories, which we'll talk about in a little while, for almost thirty years now. And the first for the last twenty. 27 years or so they've been published under my own name but i write so many different kinds of things that there's this sort of branding issue people have a hard time saying well you write stories for kids you write stories for adults and you write this other stuff so i decided that what we were going to do is going to repackage rebrand and reboot this whole series the village life series uh with the pen name of izzy abramson and I'm Jewish. My, my guess is that most of your watchers and listeners aren't. Actually, you'd be quite surprised about this audience. It's oh, Jewish. Excellent. It's Jewish, atheist, Buddhist, Perfect. Christian, bi, transgender. It's a mix of everything. So well, I, I, I like to say that, that my stuff is for everyone. I, I really don't write exclusively. So, so it's, I like to say it's, it's Jewish the way Faulkner is Southern. You don't have to be Southern to enjoy Faulkner. You don't have to be Jewish to enjoy these stories. As I was looking around for a pen name, I decided that uh, my Hebrew name, which is Isaac, plus my dad's Hebrew name, which is Abraham, Izzy Abramson, became the, the, the name. And it's not Abraham's son because it was just too... That, that, that was getting me the dyslexia part. <laughs> Well, th thank you for being kind about me butchering your name. Oh my God! You know, I grew up. I grew up, and and I used to be teased about uh, my name. I have. I still have. Even as I'm saying this, when I was in elementary school, kids used to tease me and call me Mark. Call me Binder. And it's amazing what kids can torture other kids with. Uh, and and so yeah, I names. I was. Uh, Joshua Hamburglar and uh, like, exactly. I mean, yeah, you're right. They just come up with the crazy names yeah. and then you get 
stuck with a nickname and all kinds of stuff that either gives you trauma or something you just carry with you into adulthood. Exactly. So I still am called goose by some people and chug by others. And, but I personally like mayor much better, but nonetheless, uh, listen, I am so grateful that you're here, but before we get into everything, sure. I love to know, what are you grateful for today and why? Oh, I'm grateful for my wife and my family. Um, I've, uh, my wife and I, this is a, this is my 10th anniversary today. And I can't believe that we've had, it seems like a minute. It doesn't seem like 10 years. And, and, and to be able to have a, a partnership with someone um, and have that experience of being able to talk about anything. I mean, we, we just, we don't fight. I mean, we, uh, Every so often we snipe, but, but, but the, the level of um, partnership and trust and love has been really wonderful and I'm totally grateful, especially today. I love that. And, and especially after, you know, we've been locked down for a while and, you know, that it really took a toll on a lot of relationships and families for yeah. the obvious reason of, they weren't used to being around each other all the time. Exactly. Exactly. And People get stuck together. and That's how I got married was being, well, not that we didn't get married because we were stuck together, but our marriage came and it was kind of birthed out of and during the pandemic. So mm -hmm. we were used to being around each other all the time anyway, but we actually enjoy being around each other. So it's been amazing. And yeah. we, we're both creators. So we get to create together. That said, is your wife also a creator? Is she in the same line of work as you? She she is she's not in the same line. She's also a creator. She is a ceramic artist. Oh, cool. She's um, she's well, she's she she teaches art at, at, in high school at a high school level. She's in a master's degree program uh, for uh, art, and then she's also a ceramic artist. Um, and it does these amazing. Uh, both both what they call useful or functional ceramics. And then she's also been getting into some really interesting sculptural stuff recently. H binder ceramics is her uh, hashtag and website and such. So how do you, so those are two different you, you as a writer and what she's doing is different. How do you find time when you're in your creative processes? How do you find time and how do you come back together where you have that quality family time and then you're, what is it? My wife will say, water me. Um, she'll take a bottle, pour it over her head, like, okay, it's time to water me now. What, what, how do you guys do that? Because I know as myself as a creator and my wife, when we're locked in, the world is like, there's no world. It's just what we are working on. Hmm. How do you, how do you do that? So let's give some marriage advice out there. We eat meals together uh you know really that's we 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 have dinner together almost every night uh no 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 media allowed at the table um and that works pretty well i mean there especially when she's come from school and has been doing a class or something she's gets very much in her head about that stuff i'm pretty good at uh this is what i'm doing now this is what i'm doing now this is what i'm doing now but uh you know we when we hang out we watch tv and stuff like that and but and we travel well one of the nice things about about our marriage is we travel well together so uh we were down in new york city over the weekend and just nice actually it was the first time in in a long, long time. I drove, I live in Providence, Rhode Island, drove down to New York City and did not have the Waze, you know, uh, Google Maps driving me. It's like, I know how to get there. I'm just going to drive. It was so nice not to hear all the chatter from the internet. Sure. Yeah. That, I, um, I, 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 I appreciate, I can appreciate that the having the meals together. I, it reminds me of the show and I don't watch a lot of shows cause I don't, I would rather pay attention <laughs> to my work, not TV, but that said, um, what's it called? Ozark. 
Mm-hmm. And, and they have this dysfunctional family and they're fighting and they're c- crimes and kids are in the crime family and everything else. But they always freaking have dinner together. Yeah. And I and it's and that to me has always stuck out about that show in real life because there's something about having fellowship, which you can say having dinner with your family at the table is fellowship. Yeah. And there's something about that that's special. So I like that. And I'm actually going to borrow that to make sure, like, no matter how busy I am, the one thing that we're going to do for sure every night is have dinner together. I like that. So enough about that. Sure. Um, I'm, I love to write. I love to write and I barely speak English <laughs> and I can't spell very well. But I, since I was a kid, there was something about writing that took me to places that I could never go on my own, whether it was reading, listening to something or watching something. There was something about pen to paper, not even typing, but pen to paper writing that I could just go into whatever land that I wanted to go to. And so that was always one of my favorite escapes. And even though every time I try to write a book, I had failed. It took me 40 years to figure it out or almost 40 years to finally do it. But I did it. And that was a huge accomplishment for me. For you, when did you know that, one, that you loved writing and that you wanted to make a life out of this? <laughs> I, 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 I joke. Uh, so I do a lot of performing um, uh, for all different ages for adults and for kids. And sometimes when I'm in a school, somebody will ask me, so, you know, when did you start writing? And I say, I tell this story, which is, you know, I was dating, uh, this is years and years and years ago, back in the stone ages, I was dating a woman who was an artist and she was drawing all the time. So, and I can't draw. Um, Mm -hmm. So I started to write and then she dumped me and I had something to write about. Um, The, the truth is, there's there's an element of truth to that, I suppose. I mean, I I've been writing since I was a kid, um, and when I was in college, I began to do a lot of theater writing and playwriting and some storytelling. I uh, studied storytelling with Spalding Gray, uh, and after college, I took a few years and tried to make it as a writer in New York, as a novelist and playwright ended up coming to Rhode Island and going to the, uh, getting trained in acting and writing and directing. And so it's just been something I've been doing forever at this point. And what I love about it still is words are so economical with just a few words, you can create these scenes and these things happening that are just transformative you don't need anything else except for the pen and paper i i can't read my own handwriting so i actually use a keyboard um but (laughs) i probably should yeah yeah. (laughs) um and for example the 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 village you know so so each each one of each piece that i work on i try to make it a whole into itself so that it, it it is integrated and it is its own world so that you know it's the distinction between um uh ozark and south park you know mm-hmm. each one of those things uh are have their own worldview and their own style and their own thing and that's very much true for for my work because i'm not a i'm a, a very eclectic writer um yeah is the abramson stuff is actually among my most focused work because it's all set in the village, in the past, in this community, uh, around these families. And the other stuff all goes in different directions depending on what project I'm working on. You know, I, for example, over the pandemic, I started to write plays again and uh, had my first, actually, I had my first professionally produced play during the pandemic on live on zoom so that was kind of fun it's amazing how getting to be a a part of several casting calls that were on zoom and seeing some of the zoom projects that were created it's amazing uh what they were able to do because zoom is relatively relatively limited when it comes to technological features and and different things that you can do 
customization. I mean, it's very limited, yet right. I saw some extraordinary work being done. Um, and it just shows you that when there's a will, there's a way, and a creator is going to create, you just yeah. got to give them something. <laughs> the, the, <laughs> and they'll the, find it. The play that we did uh, was called The Race, and it was – I saw – I had a, I had a different reaction, which is when I was watching a lot of the performance stuff I saw on Zoom, I thought it was horrible. Um, it was a lot of people who were theater people missing theater and not dealing with reality that of what they were doing. So the race was specifically written for Zoom. It was the story of uh, two men in uh, an interview for a job uh, but they're both in the same Zoom room and the interviewer is off screen and maybe it's a computer and 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 the audience who's watching, all of a sudden these questions are popping up on screen, interrupting while the guys are still talking. It was a very, and it was always performed live. It was not, we recorded it, but we, it was not a, it was not a, it was done live every night. And the two actors, one was Joe Black and one was Joe White. They switched roles each night. So we actually had people coming back and watching it the second time to see what was different or how it felt. Same script. But when you have a black actor playing Joe Black or a black actor playing Joe White, the text changes. It was a really interesting thing. Nothing to do with the village life. Completely different. Isn't that – there's a micro there, – there's something about what you just said that is a microcosm for life. Like I just can't put my finger on it. It's it's it, I really well actually I because I, I'm staring at one now, the Bible. You have two people reading the same thing and they get something two different yeah. things from it completely. And this is why like I've been so look I'm a man of faith as I shared with you before. But look I I, I had a Muslim woman that took me in when I was homeless taught me everything. I needed to know about prayer. I mean, she, like she was everything I learned from just watching her daily life taught me more about a relationship with God, even though technically we're worshiping something different. And I don't want to make this about religion. I just want to say, or there is, there's differences between it. Right. No, I, I, so I, but at the same time, it makes me think like even people that share the same faith, go read the same thing. But yet they're what they get from it is something totally different. And that's okay to me. Like, why that doesn't have to be wrong. So for your audience that was coming back to experience the play with different, like, what what would you say was the most surprising uh thing to come out of the characters switching parts each night? What it did was reflect the audience's prejudice on themselves holy shit yeah it, it 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 really because you hear um uh uh a character whose name is joe white talking about growing up in jamaica and being born in jamaica and moving to the u.s when he was three years old now when that's a black person saying the, that line mm -hmm. you kind of go okay when it's a white person saying the same line you go what when it's uh, a white person saying, yeah, I grew up in a suburb uh, and my folks were librarians and my mom taught me to read, you get one thing. When you get a black person saying the same line, you get a different thing. And it's it's the prejudices we bring. It was really, it was a very, it was a, for, for as a creator and as a, a a writer and as you know somebody it was it really was theatrical in that it was not something that anybody had ever seen before and it only happened in those moments for that period of time for that audience um and and was very exciting I mean, people did not turn away you know if you get something bad on zoom and you start clicking on other stuff we didn't have people who were checking their emails yeah that's um, what i do on zoom in exactly zoom yeah, I, yeah i'm checking everything but the zoom call exactly and and it really was it really was a performed experience that was experienced it was the closest thing you could come to live theater uh during you, the lockdown so do you think if that was done in that same play but done now that's where we're on broadway yeah and you were to switch out the leads like yeah. that every night 
do you think that you would have gotten a different reaction than you did with it being all digital? I don't. I, you know, I, I, I've, I'm putting it out currently looking for theaters that are interested in staging it, whether virtually or live. Mm -hmm. um, it is Zoom length, so it's 55 minutes because um, you can't be longer than 55 minutes on Zoom. <laughs> um, there was a talk back afterwards, so it you know, you talked after that. But um, if it, it would have to be restaged and rethought for live because there's a different experience of, you know, I'm in my house watching this person on TV, these two people, you know, split screen on TV, and mm -hmm. I'm in a theater watching two human beings in front of me. I, I think it would still be conf confrontational. It would be, you know, we would probably, we'd have to find ways to incorporate the video component to it because that's so much integrated into the script. Um, but I think it would work. I, I, it, as the playwright, I would probably be tweaking it because I don't know that, I don't trust necessarily. Yeah. Theater is different than well. It's, once it once you get it working, it works. Mm -hmm. But when but the script that worked on Zoom, I don't trust. I don't. I don't trust. I don't know will work in a live situation as is. It will have to be rewritten somewhat. Maybe it'll. As far as the creative process goes, and touching on issues that could or doing things that would be controversial. I mean, I look. It was oh, totally controversial. I had to, I had to fight to keep Jamaica, and and I tried. I we did change it to, um, uh, at some point, I changed it to something else. But I was really not happy. People were pissed off. They were like, "You can't have a white guy from Jamaica." I was like, "Yes, you can. There are white people who are born in Jamaica. What the hell is the problem with that?" There's redheaded Mexicans that are as pale white as well. Louis C.K., the the comedian, is Mexican, and everyone thinks he's Irish. I mean, like, but that's what our that's what we we do we just like the whether it's a stereotype or we just assume that these right. different things that you can't be that color and be jewish you can't be black and jewish like no i know plenty of african-american jewish people yeah. um or black it would be african-american black jewish people um anyway with that said so getting to the controversy though as a creator we when we want to create this is like our vision this is we we write off of the vision that we have or what we feel led to write or as a speaker um, or a storyteller we we share what's on our heart um, or, or I mean, depending on the style I guess but for me most of it is all heart spoken. Uh, that said, I know that when I'm creating content, there's a lot of times I have to go okay morally am I going too far or how much hate am I going to get for saying this and the the, the to me, even having to stop and ask that question to myself or to God, that can interfere in the creative process a little bit because then I start doubting my instincts, my intuition. And that can be a creator, a suicide for a creator. That said, I just happen to fall into the place where, well, you know, I'm, I'm going to touch on those subjects that I feel led to and do it because I feel like this is part of my purpose. Doing what you're doing, where you're uh, you're you're an author and you're writing screenplays and you're doing this, where you know this is a living for you. This is this is you know where other people are buying your work or paying you to write and doing things right. like that. You have to fall under the rules a little bit. How does that yeah. feel for you? Um, it's interesting and it's challenging. The 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 Village Life series of books. So I'll give you the short backstory behind it, which was I was editing a newspaper called the Rhode Island Jewish Herald newspaper, which was a weekly for-profit Jewish newspaper in Rhode Island back in the day when there were actually two Jewish newspapers in this small state of Rhode Island. That's how long ago it was. And one day somebody didn't turn in a story. And you don't see... Those, those of you who know what a newspaper is, um, you don't see holes in a newspaper. There's no empty space. But somebody, it was the deadline day. So I sat down and I wrote my first Village Life story. When I left the newspaper, I continued to write those and sell them to newspapers all around the world. That was 
25 or 30 years ago. And over time, I've developed, I've built a little world. One of the reasons why during the pandemic, I started to refocus on this work was because as a, there's a, this whole thing in the world about cultural appropriation. Personally, as a writer, I believe as long as you steal it and make it yours, it's yours. However, there is a strong backlash against that or a call for what they're calling own stories, OWN stories, people writing about their own lives, their own cultures and stuff like that. And I thought, okay, I'll be safe. I will write, I'll, I'll stay in, in my little neck of the woods and do this Jewish stuff. However, I, I got my first bad review and the guy who wrote the review, he didn't actually finish the book, but he was accusing me of being, of culturally appropriating the, the, this stuff and not doing it right. And it's like, I invent, you know, so, so the village, actually, let me, let me read you a little bit. Please. So for those of you, those, I'm just going to read it. This is, this is from the latest book in the series. It's called uh, The Village Feasts. These are 10 Passover stories. Uh, and, but as I say, as, as, as Reb Gold says in the books, you don't have to be Jewish to enjoy the village life. <clears throat> this is the foreword. Welcome to Helm. Welcome to the village of fools. 80 households and farms, a few dirt roads, more chickens than people, and a wealth of love, lore, misadventures, and often silliness. <laughs> you may wonder, where exactly is Helm? It's not that no one knows, it's just hard to explain. On the edge of the Black Forest, somewhere between Russia and Poland, and occasionally Germany, if you travel through the town of Smyrna, chances are good you'll get lost and maybe end up in the village of Helm. There, you will rub elbows with Reb Stein, the baker. Reb, you should know, is, is the Yiddish word for mister. So Reb Stein is Mr. Stein. Reb Stein, the baker, the gold family, Doodle, the orphan, Rabbi Kibbutz, and Mrs. Chaipool, and of course, the Schlemiels. Winters are hard in Helm, and the eight days of Passover mark the tradition, the transition between dark, icy cold and warm sunshine. The streets turn to mud, the weather is inconsistent, and for a whole week, you're not allowed to eat bread, <clears throat> only matzah. This is never easy. And so the villagers do their best to laugh and smile and complain while they gather together to celebrate and break bread. Okay, the bread is still matzah, made with nothing but flour and water. No salt, no yeast. You would think it would be tasteless, but it's not. It's crisp and light and filling. And when you do break matzah with friends and family, it doesn't smush or rip or tear. Matzah snaps with a satisfyingly sharp crack. <clears throat> so the village is called Helm. <clears throat> If you're Jewish, you may have heard of Helm. Helm is a, a place of, of Jewish mythology. It's in the old days, before everything became sensitive, we used to have Polish jokes or blonde jokes or Irish jokes, right? Well, Helm is the Jewish version of those jokes. It's the place of fools. And a lot of writers have written stories about Helm. Uh, Isaac Besheva Singer, Solomon Simon, a whole bunch of people. My village is different because the people who live there are people who are sometimes incredibly foolish and silly. And sometimes they're just interpreted that way by their neighbors. And for me, it's it it, it the the series is called The Village Life. It's not about one particular character. Each story has, it's like a, there's a whole rotating cast of characters. Some stories have these people. Some stories have these people. There's a, a book coming out later this year called The Village Twins. It's a big fat novel about uh, the Schlemiel brothers from the day that they're born until the day when they go their separate ways. 
and it's so it's it's inspired by and based on this traditional Jewish folktale. And I steal from that, but I made it my own. And the religious component of it, I mean, obviously, so there's a whole book about Passover, right? The religious component to it is on the periphery. It's about how people deal in their daily lives. And the religion is just part of the, the part of it. You don't have to, you know, know anything about Passover to enjoy this book. If you do know about Passover, there are things that that you'll enjoy. And there's occasionally things that will rub you the wrong way. For example, there's a wonderful story in there called uh, Temptation. Rabbi Kibbutz is the famous, wisest man in the village. And in the middle of... So if Passover is the holiday celebrating the exodus from Egypt, the Jewish people, you're not supposed to eat bread. That's like, it's like Lent. You know, you give up stuff for Lent. You don't have bread. Nothing is supposed to rise during Passover. Uh, because, wow. what, I won't give you the because, it doesn't matter. Rabbi Kibitz is, is visiting the neighboring town of Smyrna. He's borrowing a book and he's reading the book while he's walking. And he accidentally walks into this shop and it turns out it's a bakery. And so... There are some people who are very, very religious and observant and perhaps intolerant who would be horrified that I would even consider writing a story about that. And yet, I could totally see this person, this reading as he's going, he bumps into, you know, he just walks through this door into this bakery and all of a sudden he's surrounded by bread and cake and rolls and the baker is this guy named joe de baker he's from america he's like i i travel the world i make all this stuff what can i get you and rabbi kibitz is just too polite you know he's like he can't talk he's got no word <laughs> in the entire scene. it's a wonderful story <clears throat> so for some people that's just not kosher and for others, it's wonderful. And I hope that I hope you know. I I like to say that that these are stories that I, I I they're they're set in this Jewish world, and yet I know that you will enjoy them. That your listeners will enjoy their their kids will enjoy them. They're written. <clears throat> what age do you write for? Well, they were originally written for a Jewish newspaper, and a Jewish newspaper isn't quite like a regular newspaper because there's stuff that's in the Jewish newspaper that's written for kids. So kids read it, adults read it, you know, seniors read it. It's it's written for everybody. And that's the way a lot of my work is, uh, particularly in this in this series of books. I, yeah, I was actually curious about that, too, because my content that, that we like to create is it's it really is a it, it's it's kind of set for a specific crowd. Um, yeah. and especially in the way that we deliver the messages too, it's not for everybody and it's sure as heck not for kids. Um, but I find that I, I find it to be interesting and I, and that in itself is a, it's a special skill set to be able to write something that will work with all, with all audiences that, that can't be easy to do, um, why did you, when you started down that path to write like that, what made you, did you make that decision or was that something that came out of you naturally? Well, like, like I said, when I, when I first began writing these stories, I know that the audience of a Jewish newspaper includes young people. Right. Um, and so that was always part of it. Also 20 some odd years ago, I began to make a living as a performing storyteller. And I found the power of performed spoken words, which I didn't really know until I became one. And the ability of using, not using, the, how uh, a story, a spoken story can connect multiple generations simultaneously. So, you know, you see the movie Shrek, right? Yeah. And you can watch it with your kids or you can watch it as an adult or you can watch it just by yourself if you're a kid. The same kind of thing, but in a performance setting which again is not, I've, I've noticed in the 20 years that I've been doing this, that there's been a change in audience on 
not for the better, unfortunately. When I started, when I would do a show, for example, in a library, there would be kids ranging from five to 12 or 15 and their parents. In the last, about five, before the pre-pandemic, uh, library shows were almost always three and four-year-olds and their parents. Part of it is uh, the niching of libraries were doing story time for kids and they think storytelling and story time are the same. And part of it is uh, a distrust by adults that kids who've been plugged into these devices will be able to understand and enjoy the visceral, simple, human to human story. And they do. Um, it's wonderful. It's amazing. When I get up in front of a room, when I first went on tour as a storyteller, I was in Boston doing a program called Read Boston. And it was three shows a day at random places all around the city. And I'd walk into a room and I'd look around and it was full of um, a mixed age, mixed ethnic background, mixed um, economic background never knew who was going to be there and often you get the <laughs> and 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 i i always would start with a story that was a little familiar that i have about four or five stories that i would open with that they would kind of go oh god he's really going to do this and then but but they already know the story so they start to listen and then i start to take it a little bit of a different direction and once i have them with that first story Boom, I can take them anywhere I want. Well, with these stories, the village life stories, it's a very similar thing. I, I write for adults and then I sell them to kids. Uh, or I write for, I mean, this, this book, I mean, all the stories in this book are enjoyable by adults. Some of them will be enjoyable by kids. The, the novel, the, 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 the Village Twins is really a big novel for adults. Um, this, the first one, so, so there's three current, three books that are out so far. They came, one came out in the summer, one came out in the winter. This one's coming out in the spring. I think the next one will probably be out in the summer. The first one that came out is called A Village Romance. And it's Rabbi Kibitz and Mrs. Heipel, Mrs. Heipel is the caterer. And they've known each other for years. They're both widowed. And finally, they get married, and then the problems start. And it's it's not a romance the way most people think of romances. You know, I, I I've been reading a bunch of romances recently, and they're all the same. The this is the wrong person for this person, and and we're going to have all these problems. And this is no, everybody knows that these people are perfect for each other. Finally, they're going to get married, and then the problems start. <laughs> um, it's not really a book for kids, but there are stories in it that the kids would like. So, it's. It would be so much easier for me uh, as a business if I niched. You know, if I only did the same thing over and over again. If I only wrote Jewish stories for kids, it would be easier to sell than what I'm doing now, which is writing Jewish stories for kids and adults. Or if I only wrote Jewish stories for adults, it would be easier. Or if I only wrote you know, if I didn't write these plays in the meantime, it's, that's, that's the challenge for me as a, it's not, I don't, I don't, when I get an idea and I go, that's a really dangerous idea, I'll still write it. I, I have another pen name that I sometimes put some of the stuff that's really messed up out on, uh, but I don't promote that because it'll kill off my kids stuff. That's, that's unfortunate. It is. It is. It's, 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 you have to be, you're supposed to be this, which is part of why Izzy Abramson exists. Izzy Abramson is this alter ego who writes in this particular world, in this particular genre, so you can find it. Mm. Um, you know, I have a, a book. This is, this is my latest. So I, how many, you know, I brought out two books this month. The Village Feast just got released. Um, and this one, uh, just came in this these are this is um 
local stuff for Rhode Island. This is called the Seagull, the New York System, a Winnebago, and the Big Blue Bugs. <laughs> and, and these are Rhode Island stories that I made up. Nothing to do with the village. Kind of like Tim Dorsey and the Triggerfish Twist and Cadillac. You know, do you know about those books? I, yeah, it rings a bell. It's like a history lesson of Florida, but the main character is a drug addicted serial killer that everyone loves. Yeah. Um, it's not, it's as wacky as wacky gets, but it's it seems to be like the same thing. Not not quite as dark. It's it's more. <clears throat> pardon me. That book is more humor. The the first one in the series uh, is a little darker. That's um, oh yeah, but these these are so these so th these are two, two, This has been my month. Um, completely different. Oh, there we go. Let's get them both on camera. So completely different books, completely different markets. This is available on Amazon and everywhere. This one, uh, the, the, the seagull is not available on Amazon and never will be because sometimes I think Amazon doesn't get everything in the world. Um, and I did a Kickstarter that we, we, I, I like to say it was successful despite the fact that we weren't funded because it motivated me to finish the project. So that book, The Seagull, is only available directly from my website, markbinderbooks.com slash seagull. Uh, and it'll be in some stores locally because, again, it's like it's a it's craft publishing is what I like to call it. But this one is so much fun. The there are 10. I like to say there are eight days of Passover, there are 10 stories, so you get 20% more stories. And <laughs> what I found is, um, in shaping this the book, as, as a writer, when I shape a book, it's a different process than it used to be because I am also recording the audiobook these days. And so as I'm working on the audiobook, I'm 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 reading my text and I'm going along. I'm going, no, 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 that doesn't work. <laughs> that just doesn't work. And and so I I I have to rewrite it. And then so the text then changes. And then as I'm putting this together, so the order of the stories in this book kept popping around until I could find something that had so. Most of my books, actually all my books, have an arc to it. Even though this, there's 10 stories and each of them can be read on their own. If you start at the first story to go to the end, there's this feeling of having traveled somewhere. But I only find that by reworking it and shaping it that way. Because each story is so different and they were written over the course of you know 15 or 20 years, some of them. That's interesting. What? So let me ask you this, um, because you you uh, we won't bring up the other surname that you have um, for your darker books. But is there? Why is it like? Why? Why can't you just use your name? Is it because of a? It's a career killer, and it, what would it take for somebody? Like I, I'm just thinking about myself. I'm I'm sorry here. I, I used to hide underneath different names of different things where right. some of my content would be one way. And the reason why my show is now is just my name is because I didn't want to hide. And, and if I was going to take bullets for something I said, I wanted right. to be easier to find when that happened. And, and also I believe, I mean, a part of what we talk about and what we address on these are on most of my broadcasts are subjects that, you know, they're they're they that they're, 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 they're hide in the shadows for a lot of people, and we put a spotlight on it. So there, there are two. Said, I want it to be my name for you. Why? As a isn't it easier from a branding standpoint to build an empire, to build a legacy, to build it underneath your name? <laughs> um, I I'm a really good writer and a really. I like to say I'm socially media disabled. Um, I've been doing social media for 20 years and I don't resonate with it for whatever mm -hmm. reason. 
So, but 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 that's a different issue. The the there are two things. First of all, and this is more recent, the the cancel culture thing that happens hmm. is is incredibly dangerous for it anybody. Um, you say the wrong thing, and all of a sudden, boom, you're done. So that's one. Let's just set that aside, though. What's more pernicious, in a way, because there's no resisting it, is the the way that things are marketed and pitched and the way that people think when you say jk rowling harry potter you don't think mystery except she's written this whole series of mysteries but she did it under a pen name it was initially when she sent it out nobody bought it under her pen name because nobody knew what that was then somebody kind of let it slip a little that this actually was written by J.K. Rowling under a pen name. And then somebody went, oh, we'll buy it. And they published it, but it was under a pen name. But it was always, it was, uh, you know, everybody said, oh, it's J.K. Rowling. And all of a sudden it became popular. So there is something about writing and writers that and branding that people get fixated on. And they don't necessarily, you go to this author for that experience. Mm. It's not like, it's not like when you watch, you know, Johnny Depp in Chocolat and Johnny Depp in the Pirates of Penzance or no, in, in the pirate books, whatever they're called. Uh, <laughs> Johnny Depp, well, he was in, he was in Sweeney Todd. Okay. You know, two, three completely different experiences, same actor. That's okay. But when a writer does three different things it it makes the readers nuts shell silverstein got away with it but that was pre-internet he wrote um kids stuff and he wrote for playboy yeah and he would never get away with that today i guess that makes sense i it goes against everything i stand for but i it makes sense it's i i i reckon i can see why people would choose to go that route. I'm a rule breaker. So I would just, (laughs) I I wish, I wish that people would go, Hey, this is the new thing for Mark. I'm going to get it no matter what it is, but it just doesn't seem to work that way. And and it means it makes, and because, because I, it makes traction. It makes building audience very challenging, which is one, again, one of the reasons why I'm experimenting with the Izzy Abramson series, but I still, I haven't assumed Izzy Abramson as a mask, as you know, for example, in these interviews. Um, the audiobooks are narrated by Mark Binder, you know, book by Izzy Abramson. The um, so it's it's not like and when I do a sh- when I do the performances, I, I haven't well, I haven't had a Izzy Abramson show in a while. I haven't quite created the the mythos of this imaginary character called Izzy Abramson because it is literally a nom de guerre. It's a pen name. Well, the man, oh, so are they are all your books published by the same group though? I Light Publications was founded uh in the year 2000 back when uh admitting that you were a self-publisher meant that nobody would actually pay attention to you. So yeah. I um, I was one of the first people to uh, jump onto the uh, print on demand thing. I found out about this company called Lightning Source and mm-hmm. got an account there before they realized what was. And I began publishing and created Light Publications as, uh, again, a false front because back then, if you were self published, there was something wrong with you. And I began writing and publishing these books. And when I say craft publishing, it's become part of, so I'm a, I'm an author, I'm a storyteller, and I'm also a craft publisher because a lot of what I do gets shaped by the process of publishing. You know, the design of this book, of these, you know, this is the one that's coming out next. They all have a particular look and feel and design. And then these... Are completely different. They have a different. The the texture is different. It's a smaller. 
I lost the thread at the beginning of the conversation. I get so That's excited. Okay. About it. So my grandfather was a printer. So I, I'm 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 in I'm in love with with the way that you that the the package and the product come together and and are this whole thing. And I just I love making these things and sending them out into the world. I just want more people to buy them. So buy them. I relate to that. Uh, so I got into the entertainment industry through making products and having a product. Mm. And I, the way that you describe the cover and the packaging is exactly the way that every time I see good packaging and a good product, it's like, it's almost orgasmic <laughs> because it's like, for me, as I, I can appreciate the quality and the, and, and the design of a good package. And then on top of that, I can appreciate the effort that goes into the artistry of it. And I got, so I appreciate that. Um, and then even your, the writing style and what you're about and the thought that goes into it. Like I, I do appreciate all of that. Again, it, it goes against my personal philosophy and it goes against what I teach, but I, I can really, what do you mean by it? Cause it, it well about, the, the using the different names and stuff like that. Like oh, that would be against. I, I, you know, I tried it early and I stopped doing it. But then again, when I started to repackage and rebrand this, this series, it, it's actually been interesting because I have found that it does give me just a little distance from the Mark Binder identity to be the Izzy Abramson identity. Mm -hmm. uh, just a little bit. So it's, it's, it's not a, um, I guess it certainly would have been easier if if the stories had built some momentum on their own. But since they didn't, bringing it out and distinguishing those two is something that I'm um, kind of committed to and kind of enjoying. There's also there's also another two books that are already written in this series that take it even further. There's there's a podcast that's out that has sort of a prequel to it. And so there's this whole thing that's over the next few years I want to really see build. And, and I don't think, I think that once, I hope that the, that the Village Life series, the Izzy Abramson books, that people really love and enjoy them. And I hope they then come back to the Mark Binder books. If they don't, that's fine with me as long as they keep buying the Izzy Abramson books or vice versa. But I don't, I don't think it's going to detract from 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 my it doesn't detract from my identity. I'm 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 still working out the details, like I said, you know, and yeah. on the audio stuff, it's easy because I have both names on it. Yeah, and it and, and then I that also makes sense. So we being a media guy and we build media companies for other people, or we help their existing businesses transition to be a media first organization. Mm -hmm. We're all about connectivity points. So anything that you can get to connect back the source. So you can have all those other names and other show names, other TV shows. As long as it goes back to the source, then it's okay. Right. Because we like to interweave and interconnect things to create this spiderweb effect that will latch on to other content to let them help support each other. Yeah. And we do all this in the coding and the strategy of how we distribute the way that we'll do this interview, for instance, um, it's going to end up connecting to other pieces of content that really have nothing to do with me. Uh -huh. um, and it's just that's the way we like to do it. So I can see that. And for me also, I think a lot of why I'm so passionate about my name and me being the source, so to speak, um, is because while I lived with multiple identities for so long, that <laughs> I would get lost of like, okay, who am I today? Because if I didn't fit into that character, if you will, that was doing that content, it just felt off and I couldn't do it. And it's, that got exhausting. I, I just want to be me. Yeah, Whatever that is today, I'm going to be me. It, it's hard for me as a... Um, my So as a, as a performing storyteller... I know a lot of different storytellers and I don't know if I'm unique or not, but, but when I tell a story to an audience, as soon as I start, I don't, it's not me anymore. There's no audience. There's no storyteller. There's just this narrative that's happening in the room and, and I vanish 
like the there's no Mark Binder talking. I don't do autobiographical storytelling about my horrible childhood or my good childhood or any of that. I make stuff up. I make up all of my autobiographical stories. I made up. I tell, <laughs> one, I tell one true story. Occasionally the things in between the stories are true. But so for me as a performer, I erase my identity again, making it really hard to be branded and creating, you know, this iconic personality that you recognize is the arguably the best way to, to market. But when I'm up there in a room with people, I don't want that. I want them to get this other experience that's not about my ego, my branding, my stuff. It's about something that happens with, a, with, with, with all of us. Yeah, man. Mark, I or Izzy? <laughs> I don't know. He told me either. Is he? Is he? Is he Mark? Is he? Is he? Is he Mark? Is he? Uh, is he who is he? Who is tell, he? Tell everybody where they can find all of your work. Sure. And where they can. I know you're not a social media guy, but if there's a place that people can follow you, your journey, yeah. you buy your books. Please let everybody know. Excellent. So. uh IzzyAbe.com, I-Z-Z-Y-A-B-E.com will have all of the Village Life stuff. It'll have links to the podcast. It'll have links to the books and the audiobooks. Uh, MarkBinderBooks.com, Mark with a K. Uh, MarkBinderBooks.com is my website and my hashtag. And that's what you should follow. I've got Izzy Abramson's social media, but I'm that it's not very powerful because I don't really focus and live there. Um, that's, that's, and then, you know, you can buy my stuff on Amazon and, and all the other, all the usual suspects. If you do want the, the, the Rhode Island, the rogues Island stories, those are only available, uh, through my website, uh, markbinderbooks.com slash seagull, S-E-A-G-U-L-L. Uh, and what else? Oh, and I'm on Spotify too. Uh, both Mark and Izzy are available on Spotify. You can listen to a lot of our stuff there. I like Spotify, uh, setting aside the whole Neil Young, Seth Rogen thing that's going on. Um, I like Spotify because a lot of people listen to it and I still get little micro payments from random people, which is kind of nice. <laughs> yeah. Uh, by the way, Neil Young's back on Spotify. Is he? Yeah. They, he's, and here's the here was the funny thing about that he doesn't even own his music catalog so I that was always funny to me because every time oh, I see work. someone protest I go especially musicians I go look and who owns their catalog and it's not them it's someone yeah. someone else anyway but he's back on Spotify so um, listen I I really do appreciate your your books all interest me I just what you that little part that you read the way that you right Thank you. it's so easy to be just like get sucked into yeah the, uh, i love the way that you word things and like i'm excited to check out your books thank you the the what i like to say is the village life stories you probably wouldn't think about it you might you know how you're driving down the road and you got to use the facilities so you pull off the highway and you stumble upon this place and it's kind of cool and you hang out there for a while and then maybe you go back and you check it out again that's what this is like it's 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 there's no politics there's no there's no media it is it is simply a world unto itself a great place to visit and spend some time with that's a great endorsement thank you thank you so much for your time sir thanks so and, much for uh, having me we'll be in touch thank you so much excellent i appreciate Bye -bye. it i'm that, that was cool. And I can't wait to check out his books. I just don't know where to start because they all seem interesting to me. Um, and again, like I was saying before, I love learning about different cultures and different points of views and, you know, just hearing kind of what his background was all about and his writing style. Like I'm intrigued. And, um, and I, I, I'm sure he's had lots of practice. I didn't get into this, but the way he even speaks about his writing style and the way he speaks about his books is very, very inviting.
and it's not selly, which I appreciate because everybody's, you know, wants to sell their books. I'm so bad at that part. I don't even, I don't even promote our book, but maybe I should do more of that because I'm proud of it. But anyway, you guys check him out. Um, and those of you, of course, if, if you're watching on Roku or Amazon Fire, listening to the podcast, go to our website, livemonaworldwide.org, and you will see the media kit there with all of his links. Uh, you'll be able to check out his Spotify page, check out his author page, his publisher, all of that stuff. It'll be available on livemonaworldwide.org. Thank you so much for being here. I uh, truly appreciate it. And of course, you know, anyone that you find uh, or that you think would find this uh, this broadcast interesting, intriguing, uh, anything like that, share it with a friend. We would appreciate it. All right. You guys have a wonderful day and uh, we'll see you again. Uh -huh.